0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode, I was about to say live episode, it's live for (laughs) us, episode of Purple Politics. It's been a few weeks since you've seen us because, well, we've been busy. But uh, this is the show where the the red meets the blue and we try to make some purple in the middle here. I'm uh, one of the hosts, Sean Thompson.
1: And I'm Jay Stittleberg, and welcome to Purple Politics. How are you uh, doing, Sean? It's,
0: it's good to see you. It's good been, to see you. I, know I it's, think it's been a month. It's, it's been about a month. A couple of things have happened. The occasional burst pipe. You uh, you've been traveling a lot. I have. Uh, but we've got some stuff to catch up on. Uh, we're going to try a new segment today. Yeah. And uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, as you know, I represent the, the right of the conversation, uh, the elephant in the room. And Jay is the, well, the non-right. Correct. <laughs> I couldn't resist. No. <laughs> Jay, Jay is uh, of, of course uh, representing the the liberal side, Democrat side. Sometimes we tend to blur the party lines so much with yeah. more of a philosophy than.
1: I think that's very true.
0: Okay, well, how about we dig into Let's it? Let's just here. go. Okay, here we go. So, uh, I think for locally, the big news, of course, was Stormageddon.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, Snowmageddon. Uh, it's uh, we're still recovering from it. A lot of people. Yeah. Uh, fortunately. Uh, personally, I had bare minimal problems, no burst pipes. Of course, my house is so old that there are you no know, steel pipes. So <laughs> that's right. You people with copper pipes, it's all on you. Uh, lost power for maybe an hour. So I actually was able to open my house up to some people who needed it. How about you?
1: Yeah, so uh, we, we fared really well. I mean, we did, uh, We did. we lost power a few times. I think our power was out for a total of 26 hours over the course of a couple days. But, you know, I made one decision when I bought my house and put a generator on my house. So uh it, it was humming along as, there you go as it was going so I, I was fine my my mom didn't fare as well she she lives in the hill country uh northwest of austin and she she lost power early monday morning and uh she didn't get power back until late wednesday evening and i talked to her you know pretty much every day it was kind of spotty cuz you know the the cell towers would go out and you couldn't get a hold of her cuz she only has you know mm. c- cell phone uh, but in the times I could get a hold of her, I mean, her house got down to about 35 degrees, and you know there were some, you know, there were some circumstances that prevented you know them from going, you know, to a hotel or something like that. It's just two of them, and there's some health issues and mm. four dogs, and the dogs, <laughs> the dogs don't all all get along with each other, they have to, so it was quite a quite a mess. Um, she did have one pipe that that broke. Uh, fortunately, it didn't do a whole lot of damage or anything so it was uh, but it was fascinating to you know tell her you know when she called me I have this water problem and I said
0: (laughs) there's a drip at about 42 gallons a minute
1: and I I, it wasn't it wasn't that bad there was a little bit of water I guess they have this addition built on to where they you know my my other my other grandma her mom used to live with her when she was still alive so they had a little apartment kind of built on Mm -hmm. and it was in this apartment area and she said I found some water on the kitchen floor in there and she goes I shut the, the the valves off under the sink is that okay? That's kind of what she texted me, and I was like, "Well, is that where the water was coming from?" Uh, and it was not, Hell. by the way. Uh, so ultimately, I had to, you know, have her tell her to, you know, shut the water off to the house. Right. <laughs> That'll stop it.
0: Yeah, that that was fun. Um,
1: fortunately, when she had the plumber come out, I think it was a day or two later. It was it was just a little, you know, connection that was in the wall, but it was a little connection and it didn't do a whole lot of damage. So it was that was good in the, in that respect, but. But it was scary for her for a while because, you know, it was getting very cold in her, mm-hmm. in her house and, you know, they didn't expect that the power would be gone for that length of time. So it was, uh, it was a little bit, you know, and when we couldn't get a hold of them oh, uh, yeah, with that's... the phones, it made it even worse. So, um, you know, so overall, I mean, at the end of the day, she was all right. But, uh, you know, I think it was something that a lot of people experienced. And I'm, I know a lot of people probably had, you know, clearly worse experiences than she did, but... Um, but yeah it was it was quite a week
0: right week. and something the red and the blue we can't agree on is that our thoughts are with everyone who did suffer from this for this sure. was actually a fatal uh, situation here it was. In, in many ways a perfect storm literally and figuratively <laughs> and as such it took probably about 18 hours for the the Pitchforks and uh, uh, torches to come out, whose heads needed to roll on this. And of course, you know, it got evenly split up between this is Biden's America, this is abbots texas this is deregulation this is cali you know and so it became sure. this huge muddled mess so through it number we were going to have our perspectives now through it all you know those who suffered, we feel for you and uh both of us kind of lucked out on this one yeah and after two floods i earned it i deserve this <laughs> one so uh but let's talk about it because yeah. here's the funny thing much like I, i'm going back to katrina rita time mm-hmm. when there was only one time people heard FEMA before then, for the most part, and that was in the X-Files movie, <laughs> when they were saying it's the Federal Emergency Management Administration, and it's the shadow government that when the UFOs come, they're going to take over. You know, And people were like, wait, what's this FEMA? And they looked it up. It's like, these guys have... Uh, Not plenipotentiary powers, but, you know, they have powers Mm -hmm. to take over. So that was the whole conspiracy theory. But then we saw them in action after Katrina and Rita realized (laughs) they're not really competent enough to work with the UFO aliens. Uh, But (laughs) the fact is that no one knew about them before then. I can guarantee you that 98% of our listening audience had no idea who or what ERCOT was. Or can even right now say what that stands for. Probably. Uh, so let's go with ERCOT. Your yeah. thoughts on ERCOT here, or in general? Well,
1: I mean, just if, if you look at the whole circumstance, right? So, so here we have uh, a grid in Texas, a power mm-hmm. grid in Texas uh, that's really disconnected. It's kind of you know independent. It's mm-hmm. kind of on its own. There's there's three power grids for those that you know don't don't know or haven't listened to the news, I guess, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Uh, but there's really three power grids in the United States, right? There's the eastern power grid, the western power grid, then there's Texas. And and parts of Texas are powered by those other two grids, The, you know, near the border areas. Some of those areas are, are powered by those other grids, not mm-hmm. by the, you know, Texas grid. And so the way Texas is set up, obviously, is is that uh, we have the Public Utility Commission, uh, which was formed actually in like the mid-'70s, mm-hmm. um, And they they are uh, so. There's three members of that commission, and they're appointed by the governor. And they are responsible for the oversight of uh, not just the electric grid, but telecommunications and water in the state of Texas. And they have the responsibility, really, along with the legislation. But really, they were formed, you know, by the legislation, right, to to really provide the oversight for for ERCOT. And ERCOT, uh, you know, they don't they don't produce power. Um, they are basically the managers of the power, right? So, uh, they're the ones that tell the power companies, you know, I need this or cut that out or or, or do whatever to make decisions on you know how much power comes into. It's the Scotty
0: grid. from the Enterprise. Pretty, pretty much power from the warp core. Yeah. Okay. Got it.
1: Yeah. So 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 that's what they do, and and obviously we saw what happened that week. There was so much demand on our power grid, and. And and certain uh, facilities went offline, and as those facilities dropped offline, and the demand kept going higher and higher, uh, obviously we started having what I think initially they were going to have you know rolling blackouts, but it turned into just blackouts. <laughs> and for some folks, um, and and obviously it created this huge you know fiasco that's mm-hmm. going on. Um, and uh, of course the finger pointing all started right. You know mm-hmm. I know they started. Uh, they held hearings at the state at the state legislature, both in the house and the senate, uh, Thursday and Friday, and you know they had the CEO over Cott and you know the the head chief commissioner on on the public utility commission. Plus they had CEOs of a lot of the energy companies, uh, NRG and some of the other uh, energy providers uh, that they basically you know grilled. I guess is the best way to put it. To, you know, and of course there was a lot of finger pointing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and unfortunately. You know that's what happens, and and we also learned that, um, you know the that uh, you know the CEO of ERCOT basically made a statement that said I would have not done anything differently uh, if it were to happen again, uh, and it was really because you know Texas came very close to uh, hitting a limit that would have caused a statewide blackout that that would have lasted weeks. Mm-hmm. We'd probably still be in it right now, actually, if it happened, and so you know it's a very difficult position to get put in. Um, but you know, really, you know, I I I don't want to see the finger pointing. I I want to see how are we going to make this better. How are we gonna? What are we gonna to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again? And you know, I I I do hear a lot of people talk about, you know, well, how often does this happen? And you know, to me, that doesn't matter. Um, to me, what matters is is. I, I certainly believe it'll happen again. I mean, they had issues in 2011 with a storm, that a winter storm that came through, and, and uh, you know, they wrote legislation and, you know, basically took the stance, well, this is never going to happen again, and here we are 10 years later, and it happened again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we, we clearly need to come up with solutions that, that fix the problem. And, you know, truthfully, I feel like Texas... We, we kind of put ourselves in this position. Uh, granted, we don't typically get that cold weather throughout the entire state in the wintertime that lasts any length of time uh, like this one did. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's certainly happened a couple of times in the last decade. Uh, so we'd be foolish to think it's not going to happen again at some point in you know, the next decade. Um, and we should, we should take actions that, that uh, help mitigate these problems, right? And, you know, we hear a lot about winterization and lack of winterization. And we got a lot of finger pointing on what what part of the energy uh, sector was responsible, whether it was you know alternative energy or renewable energy like wind or, you know, was it oil and gas or, or nuclear? What, what was the cause of the issues? And a lot of these plants went offline. Um, and there was also a lot of, you know, there was some controversy even in the questioning in, in, at the legislature of, of what was actually the, the, the root cause of that problem. You know, because we heard a lot about, you know, p- some of these other plants, whether it was a gas plant or even a nuclear plant, that they had some, you know, freezing happen. Mm-hmm. And the one thing the one thing about oil and gas or nuclear power is if, if you don't have cooling water in your facility, you can't operate. I mean, it just mm-hmm. it doesn't work. You, you can't do it. And, uh, you know, so we heard a lot about oh, some of their cooling water systems froze and, and some of it was the gas lines froze and they couldn't even get the, the power or the, mm-hmm. the gas they needed. Some was, uh, you know, they couldn't get the gas because the pressure wasn't what it needed to be for them to operate their facility. Uh, we heard some of it was because these facilities didn't have power. Their power got cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously if the power's cut, you can't run either. So, you know, uh, the first thing that popped out to me, to be honest, was a complete lack of communication across the entire spectrum. You know, because when you, when you when they were asked specifically who was talking to who, you know, and here you had ERCOT, and they weren't really talking and being upfront with the public, I don't think. Number one, just to kind of get people prepared, like this, this is some things that could happen if if things don't go the right way. I mean, I know people like to be optimistic, but some people, sometimes people just need to, you know, hear what reality is, uh, and I think that's much more important to be transparent that way. Um, but you know, here we had the Public Utility Commission that's supposed to have oversight, and they didn't do anything really. I mean, that's kind of what it, that's kind of what came out of it. And then you have the Railroad Commission that mm-hmm. you know they obviously regulate the oil and gas industry. You know, and here the the chair of the of uh, the railroad commission had no communication with ERCOT, no communication with the public utility commission when we had this storm coming, which was not a surprise. It was forecast, it was people knew it was gonna get cold. I know some people kinda go they feel like it's like hurricane predicting, right? They're like, Ah, it's not gonna happen to me. Um, but the reality is that the, the you know the data and the forecasts were there you know and and you know that's why I always typically take them for you know I take them for what they're worth and I continue to follow things like the weather, um, but when you have some upfront warning and you know you should probably you know at least heat it until it's it's not credible anymore I guess. Yeah.
0: Jay, I don't necessarily disagree with some of these uh, points you're making, but uh, I'll throw my perspective in there. Uh, You know, the human nature, especially Texas, which is shown with, uh, you know, what's the, a lot of people forget, what was the first, like, really freaky factor about COVID? It wasn't the sniffles. It wasn't the nursing home deaths. It was the toilet paper. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. If you remember, I had friends with autoimmune diseases who were, like, shut-ins, who were begging I'm out of toilet paper, mm-hmm. because everyone went you know, and just bought it. There's this panic thing, and that's what happened again with this. Yeah, we had the warning of, yeah, it's going to get cold, going to get down to 14 degrees, going to get down to 9 degrees. And with especially in this part of Texas, it's so abstract. To, to, <laughs> we, we can't wrap ourselves around it, because it never happens. And when I say never, the last time it was this cold in this area uh, was 1989. The last time it was this cold with comparable precipitation, which caused this, was 1895 AD. That's the last. So it never happens except when it does. It's like the 500-year storm. Yeah. Every, 500 years is going to happen sooner or later. And much like the media rightfully doesn't report on the 1.5 million airplanes, airplane landings that are safe every day. No one knew about ERCOT. If ERCOT sucked as much as people were saying it sucked, we would have heard about it over the years. It was as much of a well-oiled machine as could be. This was, when I say a perfect storm, perfect storm. People were given warning, but either, you know, it's that fine line you got to walk, you see it in the movies, the asteroid's coming, going to destroy the world. Well, let's not tell them because there will be panic. There's something, I don't I necessarily agree with that, but there's something in that that... and part of this blackout a big part of this blackout issue happened because there's only again Scotty in the warp core there's only so much that can go around people cranking up their thermostats to 80 and loading their freezers and deep freezers and, and doing this and it just cra- helped crash the system so you got to play walk that fine line between be prepared but for golly's sake don't bogart <laughs> all the power cuz there's only so much to go around
1: yeah well so- well, and we certainly saw it at the grocery store this time, so it, was just, so it certainly wasn't toilet paper that people were after for this store. Yeah,
0: and it's, of course, these it's, are perishable. Now, of course, you could just throw them outside and, you know, well, it'd be, you know, I, milk would I, be cold. I but.
1: did, you know, we chuckled when we went to the grocery store because we would just see what was empty in the grocery store and what people were, like, hoarding. And it was just, you know, we were like, is there some secret society that they get on the phone with each other and <laughs> decide what they're going to hoard for this particular... <laughs> get the <laughs>
0: spaghettias and pork chop. I just love how the vegan section was completely untouched. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather starve, apparently. Anyhow, so yeah, you're absolutely right that uh, there's no single reason for it. what mm-hmm. were factors? People blasting furnaces and, and, and panic buying. Uh, the fact that if it was just cold, if it was just as cold, it would have been handled a lot better, but with the precipitation. So, yeah, won't, because some wind turbines freeze froze up, doesn't mean we don't do wind energy anymore. <laughs> just because gas, natural gas lines froze up doesn't mean we do gas, you know, not do that anymore. It was a perfect storm. Now, I personally feel that you do have to prepare for the worst and you have to have contingency plans hey what if it gets down to this and a b and c freeze mm-hmm. and uh, we both worked in the oil and gas industry and i remember the Makonda well situation mm-hmm. what people know as the deep water horizon mm-hmm. the company i worked for actually built the wellhead for that which actually was one of the few things that worked which is why they were taken off the defendant list but i was talking with my boss like why is it taking so long to cap this? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, they hadn't thought about it. I'm like, well, how can you not think about this? And we're going through the mm-hmm. – it comes to a point where he says, you've got to keep in the realm of reality. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a very small kid, I was talking with a fireman and asking, well, if a fire truck's coming out and if I'm blind trying to cross the street, how do I not get hit by a fire truck? And he said, well, we have – if you're blind, we have sirens. I'm like, well, what if I'm deaf? Well, we have the bright lights. And I'm like, what if you're blind and deaf? And he's like, there comes a point where we can only do so much. Yeah. So I kind of feel with ERCOT, maybe a head or two needs to roll, even if it's symbolic. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but you know, so it's natural to say i got to have a face to this to make sure it doesn't happen again. By booting out sub-director Smith and bringing someone else in, we're showing proactive movement. I get it. Maybe not a fan. But, again, this could happen again, much like COVID-20 will probably happen. I think it's what lessons have we learned and going forward. So that's where I want to concentrate on this. Yeah. Moving forward, what are some thoughts? I mean, I think, you know, stop the panic buying people. That's number one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, I, I went to the grocery store the, yesterday, I think, and there was, at the grocery store I went to, there was still a limit two on like milk. And I'm like, man, people are still. <laughs> hey, I'm just,
0: I just don't want this half fly toilet paper they're throwing around. I, I, I want my comfort stuff.
1: Yeah. No, no, I think that, uh, you know, they have to look at how, how they're going to manage it, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, we have to, there has to be a balance. Um, there always has to be a balance of you know what 's practical and 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 what is something that is preparing us and and maybe it 's you know maybe some people view it as over preparing uh but maybe it 's worthy of doing it just to kind of eliminate some of the
0: where do we stop do we get snow plows in our yeah, storage I facilities i, I, I that, say no to i don't that.
1: i don 't think that 's an answer right okay. because i don 't think that i don 't think it happens enough i mean I grew up in the north so i you know i 'm not you know, I, I'm I'm accustomed to snow in the win- in the winter time and how they clear the streets and and these are areas that expect it right, so they're they're prepared. They have all the trucks and the snow and the salt and the you know everything else and they can go cover the streets in a pretty quick fashion because they just know how to do it right. Yeah, but that but they get it all the time right. So you know, obviously, I don't think Houston needs to go invest money and in, uh, you know a, 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 a bunch of snow plows and, and, and those types of things, because I don't think that's practical. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I think they should look at, you know, some, some winterization efforts for mm-hmm. facilities. I think that's prudent, and I think they have to look at what, you know, those costs are to do that, because clearly it's typically cheaper to winterize when you're building from scratch uh, than when you're retrofitting uh, to, to winterize something. Um, you know, plus an operating plant, you have to figure out how to actually do the, the retrofits in between outages, you know, maintenance outages. So, so there's a there's a line you have to, you know, kind of be cognizant of, and and you, you do have to be cognizant of the costs of of doing those things, and mm-hmm. and how are they going to be done, right? Is it going to be you're going to put all the onus on the company to do it, or are you going to subsidize it? Um, you know, how 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 are you going to handle that approach uh, when it comes to doing it so but I think these are all conversations that need to be had Mm -hmm. you know I I don't want to see the finger pointing of oh it was this you know segment of this energy sector or this segment of the energy sector I think we just need to come up with practical solutions that will help solve uh, the problem right because you know the fact that Texas deregulated you know the, the energy sector many 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 years ago um you know, it, it it's it sounds great always on the outside when you talk about it, right? Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, like a capitalistic society. We live in a capitalistic society, and and in order for a capitalistic society to really work the way you want a capitalistic society to work, there has to be regulation. There doesn't need to be over regulation, mm-hmm. um, but you have to have regulations in place. Because as I tell everybody, money is the biggest evil on this planet, and if we think that people are and businesses are just going to do the right thing and left to their own devices, we should we should think twice, uh, because that's just not how it works, um, unfortunately, and and so I'm a big proponent of making sure there's appropriate regulations in place, um, and
0: that's where the argument gets lost. It's uh, like like immigration. It's like. It's it's not a, a either or a black situation. Or white, yeah. <clears throat> I absolutely agree. There needs to be you know unchecked industry that way dragons lie. There must be some, of course. And I think the danger is overregulation. One word you said earlier that I think was key to this whole topic is communication oh, yeah. or lack thereof. And this is what kind of tickled my funny bone <laughs> because it came out that there were members of the ERCOT board that <gasps> weren't Texan. <clears throat> and this was just like you know grab the pitchforks and and put these guys heads on a pike because they weren't from Texas but my response to that it's we were unprepared on many levels because it's not us we get hit by a hurricane we we pick it up later anyone else gets hit by a hurricane first they have a telephone and then Texans go there cuz we know how to reestablish the infrastructure <laughs> So, you know, if you notice that, we've got, uh, I can't remember the, oh, the Cajun... Cajun Navy. Maybe. Cajun, you know, stuff like that. you got those in the zone, the Texans and Louisianans, who know how to do it. So when, uh, is it Sally, who was it that hit the S-Hurricane up in the eastern seaboard? Oh, uh,
1: in the northeast, yeah. That
0: one, you know, we slept up there because that was unknown territory to them. They couldn't handle it. And that's, you know, there was a lot of bailouts and telephones as a result <laughs> of that. So, we... As Texans, don't it happens so rarely that we're not sure how to handle it. We need the outside people. We need people from Wisconsin <laughs> and Canada to be on this board. So don't boot them out, in my perspective, because they're not Texans. They don't know how Texans work. We need their communication skills and their experience and their savvy to say, Hey, this is how we do it. You know, in Chicago, our pipes don't burst every time it freezes because of A, B, and C. Let's see what works down here.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you clearly, and boards, boards are boards, right? <laughs> I mean, if we if we look at boards and 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 people that make up boards, whether it's for a company or for, for an organization like this, I mean, you're you're rarely going to find that all the board members are you know live in that <laughs> state, for example. Uh, I think what's more important is they understand how the sector works. They they understand how it specifically works in Texas, how the mm-hmm. energy year works in Texas, and and then they can bring their perspective of, of you know from wherever they are and what their what what they've done what their resume what they've done in in life, um, because these people that were on there, you know whether some people like it or not, um, they had backgrounds that were appropriate for what they were doing, right? Mm-hmm. So. So it's not like they didn't have you know the knowledge, and it, it's not like you need to be sitting in the state to understand how uh, how an energy grid works or or how cold weather affects things in an energy grid. I think if you're from Michigan or Wisconsin, you, you kind of understand those things, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a matter of you know what is what is Texas going to be willing to do? Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've had legislation in the past you know f- six years to to kind of address some of this winterization stuff that that was not passed it, it, it didn't make it out of committees and and uh you know didn't make it through all the readings in the legislature to, to even have a chance to become law and, and so you know those are those are things that at the time you know i'm sure people were cheering one way or another and now they look at it and maybe they're cheering a little bit different way right so right. It's, it's it's about doing the right things and and
0: and sometimes it's, something like this has to happen again it's human nature nobody cares about uh, i'm just going to pick something at random lupus until their grandchild gets lupus and then all of a sudden it's your That's cause or, nature, or right? cancer or or drunk driving or or whatever yeah. i'm not saying i'm being very blankety here obviously people care about many stuff but uh when something hits you personally and i think this storm is so ubiquitous and hit dang near every texan mm-hmm. uh, like a moment that i think this good things can come as a result of oh this. I,
1: I you know i certainly do too and you know the thing i hate which happens with a lot of things that come up like this is 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 just the you know the politics that played a role at the very well it is biden's america and i'm just
0: i'm joking and
1: and and so that that to me is 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 one thing that exacerbates the problem Mm -hmm. right i mean you get people up there that just start bashing wind because you know they see one report on something and they just totally twist it the way they want to for a political statement not for not for any kind of help or trying to solve a problem and, and that kind of stuff exacerbates, I think, the problems and, and, and leads us to a point where we, where it's harder to solve these problems.
0: It doesn't even need you, to be someone twisting a word. Someone, you know, you can pick something that's a fact, but... Uh, take uh, it out of context. Well, or, even in context, you've heard me say many times, in many cases, uh, the wrong argument's being pursued. It's almost like... Lord knows I've been married enough times where you have the argument and then you bring out stuff from 20 years ago that's completely irrelevant to the topic yeah. again, but, you know, it's just there. Yeah. Uh, same thing with this. It, it, someone will pick something that it may be true, but has nothing to do with the current situation, but it's, again, human nature again.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so at the end of the day, I mean, we've seen, what, seven board members now, um, at least as of yesterday, I think, seven board members have resigned. Yeah, I'd from, start off with three and from then four. ERCOT. Uh-huh. And, uh... Uh, several of those were folks that lived out of state that that resigned from the board you know and unfortunately some of uh, some of it <laughs> i think is knee jerk reaction i hate knee jerk reaction um, absolutely you know that that, that, that does not help solve problems either and and again you you know i said it you picked up on it the biggest problem that exists for most any of these you know most any kind of issue i've ever had to deal with or investigate or uh you know Give my two cents on or look for a root cause you know or or root cause is um there may be more than one but, Well, there are, there were about forty two but, but lack of communication <laughs> as always seems to be in 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 one of those root causes, and it certainly was here i think um so you know you'd think you'd think over time we would as a, just as a society start recognizing the importance of communication and one apparently, would apparently uh
0: well a big part of communication of course is when people are able to provide their own unique perspectives into a situation where I can provide my perspective and just, you know, be in my echo chamber and you can do the same and rarely meet in the middle. So where communication happens is taking our perspectives and putting them in, which leads us to our next new segment we're going to try here. Uh, I'll kind of like lay the prehistory, and then Jay, I'll let you tell them what we're doing. So a couple of episodes ago, I had a list of stuff that, I just wanted to present, and it turned into a a one sided. I just I felt bad at the end of it. What about this? What about this? Uh, but Jay and I talked about we have our perspectives, and so from that talk, talk about the new uh, segment we're going to try here.
1: Yeah. So so what we want to do is, uh, you know, since it's been a few weeks, this this will be a good one just because you know we have a few weeks to go back on here yeah. just because of, of our schedules. And, and this working out, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how it works when you know we get back to doing kind of a weekly show because you don't necessarily always have as much information for you know in a week. <laughs> it just depends. Um, sometimes we do, but uh, uh, but this one will be good, I think. And
0: well, at that point we can do a clip show, yeah, for best of and best of or something, week right?
1: Off. Because uh, so this time we have like four weeks of of material yes, to do. kind of look at. And, and really what we want to do with this segment is, you know, I'm going to give, you know, my views and, and my views is for this first segment or this first time we do this segment is really going to be, you know, my views on how I think the administration is doing uh, and the types of things that they're attacking here at the beginning of, of the administration and, and, and how I see those things, mm-hmm. um, you know, good, bad or otherwise for some folks, I guess. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of give my perspective from where I sit, uh, you know, in the, in the political realm. Uh, of of how I view how things are progressing at this point in time over certainly over the last four weeks since our last show um, and then so I'm going to give my kind of perspective and then Sean's going to give right while Jake his. gives his
0: perspective they will be largely unanswered by me because this gives Jake. The opportunity to say this is what I've gotten from the last four weeks, and as we move forward, it'll be like from the last week and then i 'll give my perspective and then at the end of that let's we'll see if there's anything worth discussing about or if we just uh you know end the episode there, so yeah, <laughs> uh, when we try things like this, of course we're making a lot of this up as we go along. We love to hear from you. Yeah, for sure. We have a great email address, shows at woodlandsonline dot com. Drop us an email, man, or, or go to the Woodlands Online page or if you know us on Facebook or you know, I can give you Jay's personal cell phone number if you want it. And uh, let us know uh, what we can try, what works, what doesn't. Yeah,
1: because we we, <clears throat> we definitely wanna hear from from all of you, right? We you know if you have things you wanna hear us talk about or a type of segment you would like to see us do. Um, certainly, you know, communicate that to us. Right, that's right. Give, sort of, us,
0: give us a reason to schlep out on a Sunday morning to do this show. We're,
1: cer- we're certainly open to uh, suggestions on, you know, whether it's topics or segments or, or whatever you'd like to, you know, hear us talk about.
0: Okay. Well, Jay, if you take it away, I'm going to do this and just not. Yeah. I'm gonna, this is going to be a great, uh, psychological experiment on my ability to not <laughs> respond.
1: Well, you'll have your chance, I'm sure. Um. Uh, so anyway, so so getting to where we're going again, I you know I kind of wanted to give my view of how things are going and how you know the types of legislation and the types of actions that are being taken uh, at the beginning, you know certainly over the last four weeks of this administration since it's fairly new, right? We're only in month two of uh, this administration, so you know here's here's some things I take away from, and, and these are kind of broad topics. I, I didn't like go down into the weeds on any of this. I just kind of made a list of things that popped, you know, that have been going on and And the types of legislation and types of things that are going on. so so the first thing I wanted to start with if, from my perspective on what I see in this administration, is number one, the makeup of the cabinet. You know I, I have always wanted to see a cabinet of of a, of an administration that kind of represents a cross section of America and and kind of has uh, with qualified people, but but not all those people look like me. Um, and so I've always kind of wanted to see that. And I, I'm not saying every administration doesn't doesn't try to do whatever they try to do. But I was pretty I, I, I've been pretty impressed at this point at the makeup of this cabinet. Um, you know, 45 percent of this cabinet is is made up of women. 55 percent of this cabinet is is made up of non-whites. I guess I'll just kind of put it that way. Uh, And you have people that are, you know, not only just different races or ethnicities, uh, but you also have different, you know, people with different backgrounds from from a personal standpoint, whether they're straight or gay or, or whatever the case may be. So to me, that's a lot of, that's great progress, in my opinion, that, you know, we're tapping, he's decided to tap resources in his cabinet and I know there's certainly things we could talk about with confirmation hearings that are going on right now with certain uh, cabinet positions. But at the end of the day, I, I at least like the initial makeup uh, of the cabinet and, and the diversity that's in the cabinet. The second thing I, I, that i really like to see in, in in this administration is that science has kind of become put in the forefront again. And I, I'll be the first to tell you, and I, we've talked about this before, that that science is always a work in progress. Certainly COVID was, we saw a lot of, you know, differing opinions, especially when this thing started about a year ago and, and what was being projected and, and told to the American people and how things changed pretty frequently and from no masks to masks, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Uh, but at the end of the day, for me, it's nice to see that scientists can get up on the podium and they can just speak about the science and they don't have to worry about saying something a certain way or saying something you know, right or wrong. They're just kind of trying to interpret the data as they have it at hand right now and, and try to convey that information uh, to the American people. So for me, that's that's a good thing to see because I'm certainly somebody who, I love science. I believe in science. Science and math were two of my favorite things in school, and they're still two of my favorite things today. Uh, I really like to see we're working on this big stimulus package, uh, COVID relief package, whatever you want to call it. It's made its first step through the house, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of things we can talk about in the stimulus package, uh, but, you know, it was one of those campaign it promises that was made, and I think he's doing the best that he can to try to work with Congress. And, and I know that President Biden is is an optimistic guy when it comes to working, you know, bipartisanly in, in, in the Congress. I know that's what, you know, he wants. That's certainly what he conveys. Uh, whether that, you know, is actually happening or not is another story, because politics is just unfortunately at a point right now that I think it's difficult. But it's, it's, I'm glad to see there's action moving forward. Uh, and there's lots of things we can talk about in that. Um, uh, one, starting to attack the immigration system in our country. I think it's, it's been far too long since any administration has really tried to, you know, attack the admin, uh, immigration system we have in this country, which is woefully broken. It's been woefully broken for decades. It certainly hasn't been broken in the last four years. It's been bra- broken for like the last 40 years. And I haven't really seen any administration in the last 40 years really do anything to try to fix it. Um, so, I, I, I'm happy to see that we're starting to take steps, uh, and there'll be lots of discussion, I'm sure, coming uh, in, in, in the future here about immigration, especially when legislation starts to come forward. Uh, you know, the, the Equality Act, which passed the House this week, that's another step in the right direction, in my opinion, from ending discrimination for people that, you know, can get discriminated against just for simply who they love and how they live their life. Uh, so for me, that's really a, a step in the right direction. I really like to see that. Uh, and in addition to that, not just the Equality Act, but also you know ending the ban on you know trans members of the military, it's a good thing to see. I, I'm somebody who believes that if you are physically qualified uh, and you can pass all the tests you need to pass to get in the military, then you sure, certainly should have the right to serve in the military if you choose to. And it shouldn't matter who you love or, or who you identify as. Um so, so all these things, and and I also like to see along with COVID that one of the priorities the administration has when it comes to COVID and it comes to trying to get us through uh, COVID, they're they're trying to do a lot with vaccines. Uh, I think the progress we have the third vaccine now approved through through the FDA. I think that's really great. I mean, the more people get vaccinated, uh, we're starting to get ourselves back. We start seeing it in the numbers, and we're seeing it in the numbers now that that a good percentage of the older people that are. More susceptible, are getting uh, vaccinated now, uh, and also the the, the focus on tr- getting our schools back open because I think that's one of the critical points in trying to get us back to a little bit of normality is is being able to get our public schools open uh, across the country and doing it safely, but getting them open because it creates so many problems when these sc- schools aren't closed. It's not just the students; it's the parents, it's jobs, it's it's childcare. It's I mean, there's just a it's just a snowball reaction when that happens. So. You know, I hope we keep moving in those, in those directions. Um, and, and I like to see that we're not butting up with Putin. I'll be honest. I, I like to see that because Putin's not our friend, uh, among other com- countries. You know, that unfortunately we have to try to way, find ways to work with them, whether it's, whether it's Russia, whether it's China, uh, uh, whether it's other uh, countries that, uh, you know, we try to do the best we can with, but we need to understand they're not our friends. Uh, so for me, in my perspective of the last four weeks, those are, those are some things I really like to see. You know, there's lots of discussion we can have and a lot of those different things I talked about. Um, but, but from my perspective, that's what I see. And, I, and I'm really happy about the things that I see. And there's things that I'm not happy about. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who just likes everything because it's a Democrat. Um, but, but I like things that, that kind of make sense. And I certainly like to see things, especially when they have... Polling across America, where a majority of Americans support something, and, and then we're moving in a direction of of passing laws that that are based on on, on the the polling that's done. I'm not saying polling's perfect, mm-hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, you, you kind of have to use something to kind of give you an idea of, of which way we need to head. So so there's my perspective, Sean.
0: Solid. Well, first off, that was way easier on me than I thought it would be. Uh, it's very interesting just to. I don't know, shut up and open your ears and hear someone else's perspectives unadulterated and unresponded to. (laughs) Uh, Now, don't get me wrong, my brain (laughs) was formulating responses left and right, and I was toying with maybe at the end of your perspective giving you my what I got from this. I don't think we're going to do that this time, but maybe for future ones we can do that, where the response is, I heard you and this is what I take away from it because that too opens up communications sure. if you you know your response to that could be well I've meant this instead yeah. so that's where the communication starts so we're going to go on to my perspective now now I got big list here that's going to not going to uh, go down the entire list mine's more time related and and major topic related so I'm going back no more than a month because I figure anything beyond that my perspective of My perspective is uh, that uh, the media is wonderful at squirrel. That's right. We just don't look at this one and forget about this one because that's so yesterday. And there are so many unanswered questions that when someone like me may try to bring up something like, I don't know, Hillary Clinton emails or Hunter Biden laptops, I'm told, well, that's so yesterday. And it's like just because we don't have the just because it happened a long time ago. Doesn't mean that. So a lot of my perspective is things that have maybe been forgotten about or made to be forgotten about or, well, we'll take it from there. So uh, COVID data, this is a big thing that, you know, it seems to be a lot of state versus state. And Jay's talked about the need for communication. I agree. California refused to share its COVID data, saying, quote, it's a very complex set of measurements that would confuse and potentially mislead the public. In other words, the California government saying, we know more than you do, so we're just not distrust us. Not a big fan of that. At the same time, when California issued its stay-at-home order, 2,572 people were in the Los Angeles County Hospital. When it was lifted on January 25th, uh, three times that amount were in it, and... So it literally made no sense to ban indoor dining or this and that when the numbers actually went up in California. Um, At the same time, I began my, and I say this with all sarcasm in my voice, love affair with Press Secretary Jen Psaki, who I think is woefully unprepared for her job. She starts off answering reporters' questions. What is Joe Biden's favorite ice cream? Uh, It's nice to know it's uh, chocolate chip. However, uh, Jen Psaki is presented... That she is absolutely unqualified to do her job uh, when, conf- when asked by a reporter uh, who, this is after it was revealed that Saki was receiving questions beforehand uh, when these questions weren't predetermined by her she showed that she had no idea what was happening in the sense that a reporter was talking to her about Joe Biden reinstating the catch and release program, which is where someone crossing our border illegally who was caught is questioned and then released into our COVID-filled nation uh, for a future court date. She had no idea that the day before Biden had actually signed an executive order reinstating it. And she also just a couple of days ago exhibited complete ignorance of the canadian border being closed for like the last year uh so that beyond basic grammar skills shows that there needs to be a new voice of the white house especially since joe biden has not had a one on uh, a single person press conference uh since january 21st and today's date is february 20 something
1: Twenty eighth.
0: There you go. So we have that. uh, We'll go down to National Guard is still in Washington, D.C. Why? Uh, Let's have a look here. Uh, Eric Swalwell on the impeachment committee that, oh, yeah, that's no longer killing us. Uh, uh, (laughs) I'm not going to go down the impeachment rabbit hole here. Uh, But the, the man in charge of the impeachment or on the committee slept with a Chinese spy. And I just that he's still on this committee staggers the snot out of me here. Uh, We're going to move ahead to January 27th, when it was revealed that two masks are better than one. You know, I'll see your two masks and I'll raise you 48 more masks. That's right. 50 masks will definitely keep you safe from COVID and anything else because you will suffocate to death. Uh, Around the same time, we got the great plans that Joe Biden said he had when he said, I have a COVID plan. Well, his COVID plan was quote, there's nothing we can do. Uh, it's got to run its course. And uh, uh, at the same time, the $2,000 suddenly became 1400 because, well, we already gave you $600. Um, it did take uh, eight days to answer a first-day question. Uh, uh, rumblings about Andrew Cuomo happened right around January 27th, and, of course, we're seeing where that's going. That's a whole other topic, so I won't go it down is. that. Uh, around the same time, several... News reporters uh, started talking about deprogramming, including Washington Post associate editor Eugene Robinson, who said, quote, there are millions of Americans, almost all white, almost all Republicans, who somehow need to be deprogrammed. Katie Couric, a former CBS News anchor, said, quote, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? ABC News political director Rick Klein said, quote, the fact is that getting rid of Trump is the easy part. Cleansing the movement he commands is going to be something else, end quote. CNN senior media reporter Oliver Darcy made a big quote, uh, quote, you have corporations, and people that are profiting off of lies and conspiracy theories, whether that's uh, Fox News, TV prodi- providers that beam OAM and Newsmax into homes, or Rush Limbaugh, Uh Pretty one-sided on your thought on that. Uh, Moving on, because I don't want to take up too much time with this. My perspective, Uh, of course, we have CNN anchor Jake uh, Tapper with his uh, comments on Congressman Matt uh, Brian Mast, who, of course, lost two legs in war, a Republican from Florida who uh, was fighting for democracy abroad. Although I don't know about his commitment to it here in the United States. That's an end quote. Uh, Then, of course, around the same time, January 28th, uh, we came out that we now no longer have cages. I'm glad to say they're now overflow facilities, um, still with bars on the walls. Um, But if you saw the pictures, uh, yeah, it's problem with communication and perspective is changing the words. And I've always had a problem with that, that we must, uh, you know, one of the first things Congress did was get rid of personal pronouns as part of the House rules, which technically means that Kamala Harris is no longer the first female vice president because you can no longer say female. In Congress, you can't define anyone by their gender in Congress. Uh, And of course, illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, now undocumented immigrants. And we have no longer children in cages. We have the same number of children plus, but now they're in overflow facilities. Uh, I will personally pay cash out of my pocket to have Joe Biden recite the executive orders he has signed because we have now broken 60 executive orders and directives as of this date. well, of course, uh, J.R. earlier talked about the uh, cabinet. I am a fan of diversity. I, I truly am. And it is interesting to see. I, I like seeing uh, women in these powerful roles. I like seeing uh, minorities in these powerful roles. Uh, I look at TV shows throughout my whole life, and I just can't help but notice how white they are. (laughs) And I really think this is something that needs to be uh, changed. However, I do have issues with the nominee for the attorney general basically saying that uh, if it happens during daylight hours, it's domestic terrorism, but the same thing that happens at night isn't because most everyone's gone home. And the nominee for Secretary of Health and Human Services, I believe, uh, someone who's trans, and I'm, all, I'm a huge fan of that, but basically uh, refusing to answer three-year-olds have the uh, option to change, uh, to pursue gender options, including medical uh, means, whereas schools nowadays, you can't even take an aspirin uh, without, well, you can't period at all. Um, I could go on so much more, but I don't want this to turn into like a bitch session. Just, uh, the big thing for me, two big things that happened, one was kind of not personal and one was personal, Time Magazine, uh, released, uh, an article that talked about, uh, the election where they, and this is a quote, a well-funded cabal of powerful people Behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage and control the flow of information. We're not they were not rigging the election, they were fortifying it. Uh yeah, not it, changing rules and laws after an election started is not fortifying. It's cheating. Uh so there's that. A personal issue, and this is funny for me, and please go for a pipe on this one. Uh I had a Twitter experience uh, the other day. I was uh, seeing some people talk about they were getting banned because they were posting a picture, pictures of Joe Biden sniffing women. Uh, and these are public domain photos shared by the news. Uh, with the joke, with it, he's going, he doesn't want to get COVID because he'll lose his sense of smell. And people were being told they were being banned from Twitter for for sharing, retweeting this. I tried it myself, and sure enough, I was banned. Temporarily from Twitter because that meme uh, went against Twitter's child sexual exploitation policy. I find my, I find my, uh, find it a point of pride that all the things I put on Twitter or Facebook uh, I've yet to ever be thrown in Twitter jail or Facebook jail because I've been I, I try to keep uh, be a voice of reason. However, that staggered the heck out of me i was told all i had to do was delete my tweet and i'd be back in good graces so i documented everything and deleted the tweet and got into conversations with people about how is this child sexual exploitation staggered me with what big tech is doing Hmm. with voices and then hand in hand with that i was in a, a facebook Joking a conversation with a friend of mine, we were quoting uh, old song lyrics to each other, and I commented, I am the walrus, and my friend's wife popped up with a comment saying, oh, you're not the walrus, you. and she was banned, <laughs> that comment was banned, because it was body shaming me. That's right. We tried it again. I have a radio show. My co-host decided to post uh, something disparaging about my body shape. A couple of days later, he commented on it and was immediately banned from that Twitter and Facebook. Let me be the judge of what is offensive to me about me. You don't have that right. So that being said, that's my perspective. A lot of stuff, and I'm just going to show this. I have a lot of things that were raised up and gone the next day because I want to move forward. We had four weeks to cover. Mm-hmm. And I think next week, talking uh, with my perspective, a lot of it's going to be Andrew Cuomo-based. A lot of it's going to be Lincoln Project-based. We didn't even talk about that. Things that just are too easily and readily on both sides swept in the, uh, under the rug. And hopefully... The, the promises of unity that I personally have yet to see with 2 a.m. votes hmm. on a $1.9 trillion package that one of the leading um, uh, economists of the world say this is be devastating to the U.S. economy, uh, pretty much everything's been partisan so far. I haven't seen too much bipartisanship on either side. I hope moving forward we see that. And that is my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually kept it at the same time frame as his, so I don't yeah. feel so bad now. No,
1: it was good. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so you see that there's uh, a lot of different perspectives, you know, when, mm-hmm. when when somebody from...
0: Even our perspective of what our perspective that, is, you're going this route, I'm going that that's route. That's
1: right. So it's always fascinating to, to, to listen to those perspectives and, and what type of information, you know, different people take in and how they interpret that information mm-hmm. and, and what that means to them. And, you know, we, certainly we hit on some of the similar, top, you know, topic-wise, I think we're... You know, we talked about some of the same things mm-hmm. broadly on, on on topics. You know, there's obviously so many details we can <laughs> go into uh, on all those things, and gosh, we might need a few more hours of the show right. or something like that. And what
0: people may not realize but, is when the camera turns off, Jay and I usually stay behind and just kind of pick apart what we talked and and talk even more. We need to have like an after show <laughs> of our show,
1: right? Yeah. Kind of like... Uh, the
0: Walking Dead, which, from our perspective, starts up tonight. They have the Talking Dead afterwards. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, talking because, personal politics. You know, it's it's all about people's perspective on mm-hmm. on, on how they, uh, you know, take in their news and, and how they research w- what they read. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, and of course I always talk about how important it is to to really look at several different news sources and, and kind of read those stories because I think in order to kind of put the truth together... Um, you have to do that because you can't rely on one source. At least I don't think you can. Um, you have to rely on many sources and then kind of read those stories and, and then try to extract the information and, and put it all together. I think and it's time consuming, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people don't do it. Um, you know, you talked at the end there specifically about you know social media and these big tech companies and 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 how they kind of approach what they do and and how they you know I guess I'll call it police, right? Um, and, and you know, unfortunately right now, I don't think people are trying to solve that problem, right? Because they're kind of left to their own devices.
0: Yeah, we all talk at, about the weather, this, but no one...
1: At this point, right? So so there's there's not something that kind of says, you know, where do you really fall? Um, you know, and, and, and what kind of leeway do you get with your, you know, with free speech versus um, something that's posted that's not, you know, really considered free speech, right? It's, it comes down to the same old kind of cliche question right what if somebody stands up in a movie theater and yells fire right right yeah so so what is where are the where are the lines drawn
0: and there um, are in lines and again wrong arguments frequently being pursued uh it's very rare to have absolutes mm-hmm. freedom of speech mean does not mean you can stand up in a crowded theater and yell fire that is against the law the second amendment uh, does not allow you to make your own nuclear weapon there are limits, okay. This, of course, these rights—the Bill of Rights—are basically about government intrusion, and that's where a lot of the going back to kneeling, and you yeah. know, in a, in a football game. Oh, First Amendment! The U.S. government has absolutely nothing to do with football.
1: Yeah, and uh, just like I talked about the Equality Act, you know, I was really mm-hmm. kind of looking at, you know, what. what you know what? Are, what are the pros? The people that support it. What do they say? And what are the people that are opposed to it? What do they say? Well, can we arguments? take that, Jay,
0: for a sec? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's really a fascinating I mean, it's fascinating to me. I mean, at least you know the at least some of the research I did on this and, and what I kind of looked at. Cause I was really more interested in the opposition, right? Like, what what were the arguments on the opposition side? I
0: can give you a couple of and, my perspectives on that. Yeah, in regards to uh, trans individuals in the military, for instance, because uh, you are former military. Mm-hmm. I grew up up in the military uh and i know that uh, a big proponent for the most part of military life is being quote battle ready Mm -hmm. and that is if you have a root canal scheduled you're not battle ready you can't go into battle now i'm largely ignorant on a lot of the actual procedures of of transitioning Mm -hmm. and i'm you know i'm a Never afraid to say what I know and what I don't know. Uh, But I would believe that it is an ongoing medical process that involves surgeries uh, and future dates. So my question is, could that not fall under the if you are transitioning (laughs) that you are not battle ready, hence not to be. Well,
1: I mean, I, I I think it's a good question. I you know I'm certainly no expert uh, yeah. <laughs> on, on on the topic by any stretch of the imagination. But you know I think that you know I, I think there's enough science and data out there, and and quite honestly, not every person that's trans is it wants to have reassignment surgery.
0: Right. Because uh, um, thank you for that. There are actually various levels of yeah, that. Yeah. Not ev-
1: not everyone that's trans wants to do that. That's not you know that's not how they envision themselves or mm-hmm. how they 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 look at it. Uh, to me it you know it goes along with you know what what the medical profession says and how it progresses as far as what medical care is required and to me if just like a woman being in the military and being pregnant you know what what are what are, what are the limitations that are put on her if she becomes pregnant and how is she categorized mm-hmm. and so the same thing kind of has to happen if you have a person that's trans and and they want to transition over the course of time mm-hmm. what is that what is that process what you know what uh, where do they fall? How? Do, what can they do? What can they not do? Um, because the one thing we have to recognize too in the military is that, you know, even though people may not see this or understand it, is that not every person that joins the military uh, is a person that will ever see the front lines of a war. They will never travel to a war zone. I mean, you have you know jobs in the military that are that are shore based. They're in an office. Uh, they're not jobs that will ever put you you know deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan or any of those places uh, that's just that's just not how the military functions I mean there's certain positions in the military that don't ever deploy like that and so you know to me that also goes back to um, you know the p- types type is there a position in the military that somebody can be assigned to that they're productive and they do their job and they're good at their job and it doesn't interfere with battle readiness or anything else because again not every person in the military ever would be deployed.
0: And I concur. Does that also open it up to someone, let's say, wheelchair-bound? You know, can they actually – because they physically can't go through uh, at post-maps, you know, through a, a, a boot camp or mm-hmm. basic training, but they may still be able to have a value-added contribution. Now, I'm not comparing a paraplegic to a, a transitioning individual, but I'm saying there are always I, – I feel the bigger argument here or the bigger point of discussion here, it's is it only – You know, this person, this type of person with working legs that can go in the military, or is there room in in the military for those who don't have it but can still make a value-added contribution?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't know the answer to that. I mean, you know, the one thing I know about the military, having enlisted first and then becoming an officer, is 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 that no matter what you did, you know, if you started as enlisted, you had to go to boot camp. You Mm -hmm. had to complete boot camp. you know, in the officer corps, it just depends on how you become an officer and, and what way you go, whether you do ROTC or, uh, you know, whether you do the Naval Academy or any of the service academies or, um, you know, a, a commissioning program um, that you go to, which is kind of their boot camp, if you will. Um, so I think all those things come into play, and there's certainly a lot of people in the military that are that are in wheelchairs. Of course, they are in wheelchairs because of the military. Right, right. (laughs) Um, You know? But they're
0: still serving and that's kind of my point. And
1: they're still serving. Your lack of ability
0: to use a particular part of your body or do full physical activity does not preclude you from continuing your military service. Why should it preclude you from Entering military service.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I I don't know the answers. Nor I. I. We'd I love to hear your perspectives uh, yeah, on that I, too. I don't have the answers, but I, you know, to, for me, it's so I, I'm glad to see that you know, because obviously, these types of t- conversations have been had in the military for years and years and years. I mean, somebody in Washington didn't just decide, oh, let's let trans people. And, in, into the military or gay people for the, anyone in the LGBTQ or community.
0: Go back a few years, you know? black people in, in the military. You know,
1: so these decisions weren't made in in Washington D.C. They talked to service members, they interview service members, they asked them because because all these people, you know, whether you're gay or trans or, you know, they've been in the military for years, years and years and years and years and years, whether it was al- allowed or not. Um, so obviously, talking to people in the military, I mean, they have a good perspective because you know it's not like people didn't know <laughs> and so can you function or can you not function and 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 i think obviously they've shown that they can and they can find ways to uh to make it you know fruitful for everybody i guess is is is, is a good way to put it um but again you know for me again like the uh the opposition just to the equality act itself i mean it's it's really it's really focused um on you know Two things that I really found prominent, religion mm-hmm. uh, and a lot about women's sports, which is about, you know, a, a trans woman and, and sports, which I think is an interesting topic. I that's, think that's,
0: that's the headline one. Yeah, the sports thing is an issue, but I think the larger issue is for decades, the women's rights movement has had to overcome insurmountable odds. That I feel on some levels just that Rugg's been yanked out from under them because, well, you're not a woman and we can't call you a woman anymore, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so I think a glass ceiling could easily have just been re- firmly reestablished because. The odds of a lot of men suddenly saying, I'm a woman enjoying the WNBA or, or whatever, you know, the numbers are just way, 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 way down there. They make for great headlines, but in a, in a polite society, doesn't really affect anybody. Yeah. But I think it's the broader mindset, much like, uh, you know, the fact that Kamala Harris is the first female Vice President, mm-hmm. and she is of color, which is wonderful. I mean, much as my personal feelings on her aside, my political feelings on her side, we've between Barack Obama and Kamala Harris, we've shown that and actually to an extent Donald Trump, we've shown that literally anyone can achieve the higher levels. Mm-hmm. That you know race no longer has to be an issue, gender no longer or, or biological sex, however you want to phrase it, or even experience uh, can, can get you up there, but by that same token nancy pelosi's refusal to the, the the rule that personal pronouns are no longer allowed, you cannot identify as a man or woman in Congress that negated the whole thing by her own rules, so that that that's my that's my response to that it's it's I guess i'm more kind of slippery slope kind of guy
1: yeah i think that you know as far as like personal pronouns i mean people can define their own personal pronouns right i think that's how it
0: i honest to god don't care
1: you know how how you wish to
0: define yourself
1: i don't either i
0: very very few people do and this is one of the things that jay and i agree uh, agree on and i think today shows that even when we give our perspectives unanswered I, at no point did you say something that I want to go. Oh come on, Jay! And I'd like to think that maybe the same thing with me—that you know we may want to respond, but it's like, what the heck is this guy talking about?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's good. I mean, I, I think this is what people need to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's important that you can give a perspective, and I think sometimes it's important that the other. You know, a party just sits back and listens. <laughs> Shuts up. You know, and, and I think it's good to do that. Yeah, I, I think because when people sit and listen, and they don't just try to think of how am I going to respond to this, mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of listening to what we say. You know, because I've said this many, many times. You know, you can be on different political sides of the aisle, and, and ultimately, your the end goal is probably very similar. Uh, for a lot of different categories, it's just how do you get from from A to B? Absolutely, is is, is where the differences occur, um, and and when you can actually sit and talk to each other and you listen and hear what they have to say and what their perspective is, uh, and and uh, don't always again just think about what the response is going to be, but just listen. And, and let the person speak and then you can have a discussion afterwards when both people have kind mm-hmm. of given their perspectives and then you can sit and have a discussion of if you want to go into a specific topic or whatever I think. I think more people should do that I think they, they would find that you know again the, the old cliche you have a lot more in common than, than you don't um, and, and the only difference really is, is in the A to B you know we want to get here mm-hmm. this is where we are but how do we get there and, and that's where usually the differences come especially in politics. And, and that's where you have to have the conversations, and that's where, you know, communication is important. That's where compromise is important to actually get things done for, you know, the American people. Uh, and, and that's how it should be. You know, I, I think, you know, our politics has been in disarray for a long time. I, I hate seeing how in disarray it is. Uh, I wish more people would would not take party stances, but actually, you know, look at what the american people want look at things that would benefit the majority of the american people knowing that you're not going to please everybody and, and 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 do those right things and compromise instead of you know worrying about am i going to get reelected next time or you know how or you know am i going to you know face face a twitter lashing or <laughs> am i going to get you know primaried in my next race uh... because those things shouldn't really play a part in your duty and your oath uh, when you get elected to an office you know it's it's not about how long you can stay in power it's it's can you do good things while you while you've been fortunate enough to be in that position and and be able to go home and sleep at night knowing you did the right things even though it may have not been politically beneficial to you so i wish more people would do that
0: well great perspective great conversation but this conversation has come to a close which means we reach down Because Jay and Sean have determined that at the end of every episode of Purple Politics, we must crack open a drink and toast each other for our perspectives and our ability to have civil discourse, even when we may be diametrically opposed and may not even find that common ground. We could still share a drink afterwards. Cheers. Jay, cheers on you. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. So next week, we'd love to hear your perspective on what we're doing. We'll have our perspective segment. I think that worked. And of course, it'll be shorter where maybe we can go into more detail instead of I know I was all over the map on that one. Uh, But thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.
1: Have a great week.